The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Well, good morning, friends, and welcome to the Source of Truth podcast. And we're so glad you're with us this morning and taking time uh, to study God's Word. And as we started yesterday, we started our new series, our new study through the book of Ruth. And our goal is to take our time and break down different sections and not only dig deep into what's going on and into the surrounding circumstances, but be able to pull out some great practical truths for us today. So we want to welcome you and thank you for coming. Thank you for joining us again, whether you're watching us live at 11 o'clock or whether you're listening to this later or watching this archive later. Uh, we're just so glad you made a part to be made a point. Uh, to be part of this time and be in God's Word, and we're so glad you're with us. We're going to be in Ruth chapter 1 as we continue. Uh, we looked simply yesterday at just the first couple of verses, and we talked a little bit about the history. We talked about the fact that this was happening during the time of the judges and simply giving us an understanding of what it was like during the famines, during those times, to see what other people might do. And, and while we're not 100% sure that Elimelech left, left their hometown to go down to Moab simply because of the famine, it, it kind of makes sense. It seems that's what's put in there. But we know they left, they went down, because we know later when Naomi goes back, it was because the famine was gone. So we, we can look at those kind of things. But uh, we dig a little bit into the battles that these people went through and so what we're going to do now is we're going to look at something uh, in the next couple of verses. One of the reasons I want to kind of focus my attention today in these couple of verses is it's been my experience that um, in some scenarios, not everyone, some scenarios where uh, people can take the next couple of verses and they can create, really it kind of, they, they use this to create the scenario for all of the book of Ruth. To me, I believe the book of the Ruth, book of Ruth is about grace, redemption, the kinsman redeemer, all a picture of Christ in here, and how Ruth, the most unlikely of people, would have been part of the lineage of Jesus. And so you see so much of the grace of God and the sovereignty of God and how even in some circumstances that probably wasn't God's plan to begin with, but God uses even decisions we make that we maybe we shouldn't have made, and God can still bless in those areas. And so we can just see that all the way through Scripture. But these couple of verses we're going to look at this morning have some great principle behind them, great truth. But I think if we're not careful, they can become the bedrock narrative of the remainder of the story. And I think if they do that, they're wrong. So I really want to take today and focus on making sure we understand what I believe the narrative is not in this book, and then give us some great practical principles from it. So Ruth chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Now we just talked about they moved down to Moab, verse 1 and 2. Let's go to verse 3. It says this, And Elimelech, that was her husband, the father, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And when she's left of her two sons. Now, we don't know why. Immediately people want to run to God's punishment. God struck him down. They must have got a sickness or something. He maybe was jumped by somebody here. We, we don't know. We don't really know what happened. And, and to try to create a narrative over things that we don't know, um, we're beginning to step in and giving information that God just did not give us. Very, very dangerous at that point. Let's continue in verse 4. And they, the sons, took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And Mahon and Chilion died also of both of them. And the women was left of her two sons and her husband, or she was alone. Naomi ended up being alone. Now, 
What happens is, let me give you what I think is the, ne- ne- the wrong or the negative narrative, and then we'll get into what I believe is what has a great principle from these verses. So first of all, the negative narrative is this. They went down and they left the promised land. They left the place of God's protection, God's will. God had, God had asked them not to dwell in the lands of people around them. When they, when they were brought back and they were to live in, in, their, in their promised land, were supposed to be there, they were told, don't mingle with the people, don't marry the people, don't worship their gods. And yes, that was God's command. And we had known, we said last time, that one of the issues was they were worshiping these gods in their own home. So that's not necessarily the issue. It's not the gods. They, they were just told not to do that. Um, so what happens is, so Elimelech takes his family down to Moab, more than likely due to the famine up in, in Canaan. So they go down there, and uh, shortly, we don't know how long, but somewhere in the process of those 10 years, the husband and the two sons die, and the sons were not that old, so all three of them died. So here's what immediately I've heard people say. I've heard a preach, and I've heard they rant and rave about this. When you decide to disobey God, God will punish you. And they go to verses like, I chasten whom I love, and things of that nature. And uh, while those verses are true, I don't think it fits the context here. I, I, we don't know what happened. We don't know why Limelech died. We don't know why the sons died. Please understand, the premise of these two verses is not to create a narrative. What's the beginning of the narrative? I believe, what we'll look at next time, Ruth and Orpah in the conversation with Naomi, that becomes the beginning of the narrative. I believe you need these five verses, and that's why there's so many more verses dealing with that than there is just information. God gave us information to give us context and give us history. How would Naomi have two daughter-in-laws from Moab if those, these first five verses hadn't happened? They would have had to leave, go to Moab, his sons marry, uh, the three, three men die, she go home. All of what we're going to see in the remainder of this book dictates off the information of the first five verses. They were not placed in there to show that God was angry and God punished. Because with all due respect, the Old Testament is very detailed in its information. Some of us would say that's one of the issues of reading through it. The new, you, know, you read through Philippians, ah, three minutes, I'm through a chapter. It feels like it's three hours through a, bo- a chapter in the Old Testament. I'm being sarcastic. But sometimes the amount of detail, and go to the book of Chronicles, you know what I'm talking about. The amount of detail sometimes in the Old Testament you see, man, it's, it's, it's overwhelming sometimes. So to think that God intended to give us something but chose not to write it down, I don't, I don't believe it. I think we've got to be very, very careful in our study of the Word of God that we don't take a predisposed opinion of something and shove it in between the lines where God chose not to tell us anything. God used this to get us to the point where it makes sense why Ruth was back. Why Ruth became a foreigner in a land she wasn't supposed to be in. These five verses were there just to give us an understanding of the context. They weren't there to show an angry God. Here, here's what I think happens wrongly. They preach this and they, they pin a very, very angry, bitter God. You, how dare you disobey me and I'm going to strike you down. We have no idea what happened. You know, they could have started a business, could have been mugged, and that might have happened. They could have picked up a disease their body wasn't used to because of the area. Uh, we have no idea. Could have been a genetic disease that the husband had and then later went to the sons. We, we have absolutely no idea what it was. To jump in and try and figure out information that God has not given us, I think, is very dangerous. We need to make sure we keep ourselves to this bit of information. So, having said that, I want to take the next couple of minutes and walk through what I believe we can learn from these two verses. Uh, you say they went down, they passed. We don't know why they died. Can I tell you something? Um, we, one thing I think we've got to be careful about is don't always make decisions based upon our circumstances. I've said this before when we were talking about the life of Joseph. 
don't make this, don't make major life decisions while discouraged. Don't make major life decisions in the midst of a of a battle. They left the promised land and went down. And is it possible? Is it possible that when they left their hometown to go to Moab that they lost the the protection of God? Yeah, it's possible. God had stated, this is where I want you, and you chose to go outside of that. That doesn't mean that God was angered and struck him down with lightning. It doesn't mean that. It, It could simply mean, listen, this is my place of protection. You chose to go out of it. That that really could mean that. And then then there's a whole list of things that could happen. So let me say, I'm not saying that is, but let me say how that could happen today. So God says, listen, if you follow my instructions, you stay in the will. We talked about this with Joseph, how to be in the center of God's will. Well, if you choose to do that, you follow me, you're in obedience to me, you do what I ask you to do, there is a protection. Yes, in the midst of times. I'm not saying there's no crisis. I'm not saying there's no battles. But there is God's protection and help through those times. Just like Job. Only, Satan can only do what God allowed him to do. So there is that. When we choose to step outside of the will of God, we choose to step outside of God's instructions. Let me put it practically. When we choose to say, I don't need church, I don't need the Bible, I don't need God's people, I don't need to follow God's will, and I'm going to do my own thing. And we step out of all that God has asked us to do. We, God has says, do this and I will bless you. Do this and I will protect you. Do this and I will help you. And we choose to step out of it and do our own thing. God allows us to. But there are consequences to every decision we make. And when you step out of that, I'm not saying that God's going to roll you over with anger. No, God's just going to step back his protection and he's going to allow our decisions to fulfill their consequences. All right. I use this illustration in church all the time for this idea. I think it's true, somewhat silly, but true. Uh, You go down I-95 in Philadelphia, you know that the speed limit is a bit of a suggestion. As a matter of fact, probably get hurt if you did 55 and 95. You really would. would. And I was just driving down it yesterday. And uh, I won't say what speed I was going because we're recording. All right. But um, I was going a little bit above the speed limit. People were flying by me. And uh, as a matter of fact, one person pulled right behind me, and I thought they were going to hit me, came right up. And trust me, I was not doing just five miles over the speed limit. They had to be doing 85 at least. No one was stopping them, no, and most people were. I mean, there's a set of the speed you need to do. Now you say that, okay, if I decide because of that, I'm going to go and I'm going to do 120 down 95. I can't guarantee something bad's not going to happen. Yes, the cops may not pull me over, but they may. I, 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 they may not have to. I may be over with an accident on the side of the road. If I was driving down... 95 coming north a few months ago. And they were coming back from an airport, I think. And I drove by, someone drove, I drove by somebody. They were kind of wavy a little bit, maybe nervous. And I looked over and I noticed they were on their phone. I'm like, oh, come on, come on. I even honked at them a little bit. It kind of, because they were swaying and made me nervous. And I usually ignore this, but this one, they almost hit us twice. And so, and they kept doing it. So I backed up. I backed up several feet and I got behind them. And honestly, I got behind them for fear that if they were in an accident and they were, the traffic was a little heavier in front of us. So I decided to slow down. They were going faster, and I said, you know, I'm just going to back up. So I backed up, and probably at this point, four, five, maybe six car lengths behind, and other people were, people began to notice, and actually they looked like they were drunk, honestly, and, and, I, and we kept watching, and all of a sudden, uh, we hit a spot where there was a concrete medium right in the middle of, I don't know where we were, in 95 North, and this car comes flying across three lanes, hits the medium, and then flies spinning out off to the other side of the road, of course, pieces of every car everywhere. Now, the first thing we did, we tried to pull over. There were so many, so much people around us. There was really nowhere to pull over at this point. So I immediately called 911. I tell them where, uh, where this accident was. But 
my kids are kind of, t- my, my kids who notice this, man, if she was on her phone, we don't know what had happened. We, she could have fallen asleep. There's a lot of things. But let's say, let's say that the scenario was the fact that they were on their phone and lost, lost control of the car. You, it's fine. You ha- you know, you're not going to go to jail for being on your phone in your car. But now you've been in an accident. God's not going to strike you down because, oh, how dare you do this? But he's going to let life come your way. When you choose to step outside of God's will and God's protection, then you also step outside of that. You allow life to come your way. And so that might be what happened. I don't know. I can't say that's what happened to Elimelech. What I can say is that it does happen today. God has promised protection when we are in the center of his will. Now, can I finish with this that I think is so important that we need to understand? Because I'm afraid that the narrative runs down to, oh, God's just going to take his hands off, which he does. But can I encourage this? The verse in Galatians, or Paul, I think it's Galatians, or Paul says, where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. The entire story of the Kinsman Redeemer of the book of Ruth is premised off of grace. You cannot have a full understanding of grace unless you have a full understanding of sin. You cannot understand the grace of God and the love of God unless you understand that his grace and love does not change even when we make bad decisions. See, when the prodigal son left home, the picture of God, the father, he did not chase him down. I'm sure he knew, in my opinion, everything going on, but he didn't chase him down. He stayed there. The moment the son came home, he ran. He ran to him. He hugged him. He, he ignored everything that the son had done. He ignored everything that he might have heard. He ignored everything he had done with taking the money. All, the, all of the grief that might have come to him as a father, he ignored because the son was home. Please understand that this is grace. God is not sitting back taking track of all of the negative things we have done. Please remember when Jesus died upon the cross, he said, it is finished. The punishment for our sin was dealt with at the cross. This crazy idea that God is keeping track and is going to strike us down with lightning and punish us because of our sin is wrong. The punishment, the wages of sin is death, and God dealt with it on the cross. Now, consequences of our decisions follow us. Yes, they do. But God's grace, even in the midst of our worst decisions, God's grace is evident, and God's desire and God's plan is redemption. So our desire should be to those who have hurt us and decisions we make that God will be able to still bless them. Because I want God to bless me when I make bad decisions. I want God to still use me when I'm not perfect. And I hope that's something we can lean upon. I hope it's something we can hold on to. And and let me tell you something. Satan will beat you up. Satan will beat you up so badly. A good Christian wouldn't do this. How dare you do this? Please hold on to the grace of God. Because that lie you've just been told, that a good Christian wouldn't do this, and all blah, 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 that is a lie of Satan. As Christians, we can do anything, unfortunately. But the grace of God comes in despite anything we've done, anything we think, anything we wish we would do or debate doing. God does not worry about that because that was dealt with at the cross. God's grace is true every day to those who've never called upon him. If you've not called upon Jesus for salvation, God's grace is as true then as it is 20 years later when you're still struggling with sins you can't seem to overcome. God's grace is still there. That's what we will dwell upon for the remainder of this. God's grace to look at the kinsman redeemer. That is what I see through all the book of Ruth, but we have to understand the negative before we can see the positive. May we allow that truth to be our guiding force through this study and in our lives. Thank you so much for joining us today as we continue in in this great book. And I hope that it's an encouragement to you. I hope you will lean heavily upon the great truths of it. And I hope it'll change you and draw you closer to God. 
Thanks for joining us today. Uh, we're so glad you're here, and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow.